Welcome to Locked On Warriors. On today's show, Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins lead the way against Toronto. Clay Thompson appears to be on his way back. And yes, Golden State is a legit contender. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. App. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. Uh, some of you listening right now may be surprised to be hearing my voice, and that's because I left the show last month as I take on a new role across the country here in Miami. I'll have more on a new project that I'm working on where you'll be able to hear me talk Warriors later in the show, as well as an update on Clay Thompson's health, my thoughts on the Warriors overall this season. But just to get some of this confusion out of the way now, I'll be filling in on Locked On Warriors until the end of the month until we're able to fully onboard the new hosts, plural, in December. Really excited about that new group that we have coming in to host Lockdown Warriors. Um, but with all the red tape from the Lockdown Podcast Network and stuff like that, it was just, it's been longer than I think anybody anticipated. And so you need daily Warriors content. And I just couldn't stay away. The Warriors are good. Somebody's got to talk about it here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So I got you at least for the end of the month. So make sure you resubscribe to Locked On Warriors if you have unsubscribed, because we're back, baby. This is going to be a smooth transition in a way that it wasn't before. I got you to the end of the month. The new hosts are due to take over December 1st. And so with that, let's get right into last night's 119 to 104 win over the Raptors. Steph Curry was limited to 12 points on two for 10 shooting, but Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins stepped up with 65 combined points on 22 for 33 shooting to lift Golden State to another Win And let's just start there because Steph's stat line could be misleading if you were just looking at the box score in terms of his impact on the game. I'll explain that. Yes, Jordan Poole, 33 points on 10 for 13, shooting 8 for 11 from three-point range. uh, Andrew Wiggins, 32 points on 12 for 20, shooting on 6 of 8 on three-point attempts. They They don't win the game if not for Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins stepping up. So I'm not taking anything away from those dudes, right? Somebody needed to step up. But what made it possible for Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins to go out there and both score 30 on a frisky Toronto team, by the way, was just the level of attention Steph Curry is drawing. Now, no coach in the NBA probably goes more you know, overboard on overloading Steph Curry than Toronto's Nick Nurse. He pulled out the box and won in the 2019 finals. He is constantly double, triple, quadruple teaming Steph Curry, and that's not an exaggeration. We have seen that in the past. Uh, he His game plan against Golden State since 2019 has basically been don't let Steph beat us. But in a way, Steph kind of beat them on Sunday because with all of those guys, when you're just sending constant double and triple teams at Steph Curry, uh, just gave Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins all the space in the world to do what it is that they do. Now, credit Jordan Poole. We know that he's taken a leap. He's gotten better as a scorer. Andrew Wiggins has been more efficient than he has at any point in his career. But you just look at their, you look at the tracking numbers on NBA.com. They have it available. Jordan Poole, I said, 8 for 11 from three-point range. All 11 of those shots were classified as either open or wide open, meaning a defender was several feet away on each one of those threes by Jordan Poole. Why was that? Watch the game. Everybody's looking at Steph. Andrew Wiggins, 6 of 8 from 3-point range. 
all eight of those three-pointers, according to NBA's tracking data, open or wide open. Every single one of them. So between the two of them, 19 three-point attempts, none of them were tough. None of them had a defender anywhere near them in order to contest those shots. Again, not taking anything away from Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins. You got to make the shots. Players missed, Steph Curry missed like four open or wide open shots in that game. It's hard to just even make an open three in the NBA. So credit them for making the shot. They look really confident taking them. But that's the impact of Steph Curry. And man, I'm just sitting there watching the game. And now that I've sort of left Lockdown Warriors, and I'm, I'm still watching the Warriors, but I'm watching everybody else too. You know, I'm, I'm, and, and you just, you really are able to appreciate, not that anybody needed to say this, but man, you're really able to appreciate just how different it is to watch Steph Curry, right? Because I was in it for two years as a beat writer at the Mercury News, just like watching Steph every single day, not really having an opportunity to watch the other teams as much as I'd want to. And man, it is just so obvious how different he is. And there's nobody else in the NBA that impacts the game that way. Where Steph Curry could be, what was his overall box score? I didn't even say what it was, I don't think. It was 12 points on two for 10 shooting, one for six from three point range, eight assists, two rebounds, like fine. Like good for you for getting eight assists, I guess. But he was still a plus 19 in that plus minus. Nobody impacts the game the way that Steph does. Because without him, you're not getting those openings for Jordan Poole. You're not getting those openings for Andrew Wiggins. Maybe Poole scores 20-something. Maybe Wiggins scores 20-something. But the efficiency is much lower. And they're not putting 30 up without Steph doing just, just being Steph. Without Steph just being Steph. And without Nick Nurse instructing his defense to be, hey, anybody can beat us. Jordan Poole can go out and beat us. Andrew Wiggins can go out and beat us. Steph is not going to beat us. And I think, actually, if you're Nick Nurse and you walk away from that loss, I think you're still feeling pretty good about it. I think the Raptors are feeling fine with losing 119-104 to at Chase Center. I think they're fine with it. Because at the end of the day, Steph didn't beat them. And they'll live with Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins. Now, maybe there's something you could say about, hey, you know, after you double and after, that, after the ball leaves Steph Curry's hands, you know, maybe close out, close out on Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins a little bit tougher. But also credit Wiggins. He scored his second 30-point game of the season. And uh, he's shooting this year a career high in field goal percentage, 49.4% overall. Now, some of that is, is the threes because, yeah, he was in a shooting slump, but it's still a little bit like that uh, slump's hard. But he's shooting like 32% or something before this game. Now, after that game, he's shooting like 36%. Still a very small sample size early in the year. A night like that where you go six for eight from three-point range can really skew your average overall. But my takeaway just watching him is he looks really confident in taking that shot. And you kind of compare him to a guy like uh, Scotty Barnes, the rookie for Toronto, who, by the way, really nice. I'm not the first guy to say that. He's, you know, outside of Evan Mobley, maybe the most impressive rookie of the year so far. But um, very kind of mechanical, not at all confident in that three-point shot. And I think Wiggins was kind of like that early in his career. Now that he's several years into his career, uh, he looks much more confident. And it helps that like all of these threes are wide open and he doesn't have to worry about it. But um, anyway, the other the thing that's most impressive to me about Wiggins this year is just how strong and how forcefully he's getting to the basket. And that was on display last night because every time you look at NBC Sports Bay Area, the Warriors tweeting out a highlight, it was like an Andrew Wiggins dunk. It was like another Andrew Wiggins dunk every single time. On the season, he's got 22 dunks through 17 games, blowing away any pace that he was at the rest of his career, and this guy is an athletic freak, right? Like, he got drafted out of Kansas number one because of all of this athletic stuff. 22 dunks in 17 games. He's shooting a career-best 
73.8%, so almost 74% within three feet of the basket. He is getting to the basket strong. He's going up. He's got that second jump at a level that I don't think we've seen it because, yeah, he's always been able to jump high, but he's putting his shoulders into guys. He's putting his chest into dudes. He's just forcing his way to the basket. He's like creating another half foot, a foot of space every time he finishes through contact. I don't know that we could have said that with early career Andrew Wiggins. Not even early Golden State Warriors Andrew Wiggins. Like he looks really fresh and as healthy as ever and really strong. Um, should talk about the bench contributors from last night's game. Really nice night from Otto Porter. Uh, 15 points on 5'11 shooting, 5 of 9 from three-point range. So all those shots coming from beyond the arc. Six rebounds. Uh, six important rebounds, I thought, by the way. Uh, you got 11 points from uh, Chioza, which I think that's the Chioza game. Um, Steve Kerr is saying after the game that he got a standing ovation after going in. Four of nine shooting 20 points uh, in 20 minutes. Again, one of those instances where you're just like, Steph is on the floor. Jordan Poole is going. Andrew Wiggins is going. Chioza checks in. And nobody on Toronto cares about Chioza. And like, honestly, they probably shouldn't. Because it's Chioza. He's a two-way guy. Like, nobody, like, you're, you got a lot more stuff to pay attention to. And he just makes the most of it. Again, there are so many players who just can't make the most of that opportunity. Chioza went out, had a really strong game from them. And then Kevon Looney, should definitely give a shout-out to him. Seven points, ten rebounds, four assists, two steals, two blocks. He was a plus 25, which was behind, was second to only Andrew Wiggins for the game. Uh, Kevon Looney, I thought he had his best career. Uh, he had his best year of his career last year. He's on pace to have a better season this year, he has fully earned that starting center job. Um, I've said it time and time again when I was hosting the show, when I was covering the team on a full-time basis. Uh, this dude is so underappreciated every single year. And I think I think Warriors fans are starting to realize how important he is, especially because of the headband. I think that helps. Um, all right. Those are my thoughts on the game. I've got more thoughts on uh, why the Warriors are legitimate title contenders, although I do still have one big concern. I'm going to tell you what that is next. But first, let's talk about prize picks, daily fantasy made easy. And easy is really what they're all about and what I want to hammer home here. As fantasy props and pickums get more popular, prize picks is making it easy for you to get involved. They do that with the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, offering more NBA props than any other daily fantasy sports prop operator. This is included. Uh, this includes the prize picks power play. Here's how it works. Predict the over-under on a player's fantasy production, and you can win up to 10x on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected fantasy totals. If you're a total sports junkie, PrizePix even allows you mixed sports entry. For example, you can take the over on Steph's score combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. And when you use that promo code NBA, you'll get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Again, just use that promo code NBA. Do it all using the award-winning app on the Apple App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Plus, PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawal, so that's really important. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com. Use that promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Today's episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. 
And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Thanks for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. All right, the Warriors. They have the best record in the NBA at 15-2. and two. And... For about a couple weeks now, I don't know, they got off to a hot start. That hot start has continued. And you keep seeing headlines on ESPN, The Athletic, Bleacher Report, name your, you know, the, the TNT inside the uh, NBA, name your outlet. Are the Warriors legit title contenders? You know what's so interesting about this is uh, any team, I think, that was at 15-2, and two, like, we wouldn't even be asking that question. We would be talking about the fact that they are. You know what I'm saying? Like, this question about are the Warriors legitimate title They're 15-2, and two and they have one of the best players on the planet, Steph Curry. Why wouldn't they be title contenders? Now, I do have a couple things that are concerning to me about this team, despite the opening record, despite all of that, right? But the... I think we're kind of getting back to this 2015-2016 question about can a team win this way? We've seen the Warriors win this way. We've seen other teams win this way. The Brooklyn Nets under Steve Nash with Kevin Durant, all that, they basically built their team that way because of the success that the Warriors have had with Kevin Durant or without Kevin Durant before Kevin Durant got there. I think we're asking this question, number one, because the Warriors were no good for two years. They didn't make the playoffs for two years. One of those seasons, they won 15 games. They picked in the lottery two years in a row. I think we all anticipated the Warriors getting back to the postseason going into this season. I don't think we anticipated them being this good. Now, I said after the preseason, or during the preseason, I think, I thought the Warriors were going to start really well. First of all, they had a really favorable schedule, a bunch of games at home. You've got a bunch of guys who are in shape and motivated, and I think there was a little bit of an FU attitude to this Warriors team that wanted to just show, hey, we're back, and we're not doing this like kind of building up to that last stretch like we did last year. Like We're back. We're, we, we had a good close to last season. We found something that worked for us as far as a formula, as far as role players, as far as how we want to play, and we have a confidence now. We're back. And the Warriors are certainly back, at least to being at the top of the Western Conference. Now, let's, let's get into some of the details here because what is so impressive about this team is not just that Steph Curry is playing at an MVP level last night's 2-for-10 shooting night on 12 points uh, night excluded. Uh, this team plays so freaking hard, man. This team plays so hard in a way that I think catches opponents off guard a little bit, and it certainly did in the beginning of the season. And you can see it. You can see it just how much they cut. I, I have not seen a team cut this much in the regular season ever. I, ever, I don't even think like the 2015-2016 Warriors that we just remember as this like beautiful basketball, and they were, by the way, beautiful basketball, but so much of that was the threes and all that. They are cutting at a level that you just... I haven't seen during <laughs> the first two months of a season. Like This is crazy what they're doing, right? Like They're coming out there like a team that doesn't have one of the best players ever leading them like they like like a team that doesn't have Draymond Green who has like nothing to prove at this point in his career leading them like this is a team that's playing you know 
like a like a like Harvard does just to compete with teams in college basketball. Just like constant movement, constant cutting. Twelve percent of their baskets are coming off of cuts. That leads the league, obviously. The number that's even more surprising to me, 17.1 points per game off of cuts. That's just that's just baskets that are finished from the player or by the player who was cutting on that particular possession, right? That doesn't even include like all of the stuff that the cutting opens up, right? All the drive and kick, all the attention a team has to pay attention to, uh, Andrew Wiggins or Andre Godala cutting to the basket, opening up things for Jordan Poole or Steph Curry on the perimeter. Doesn't even count that. Doesn't even count just literally baskets made off of the by the player who was doing the cutting. 17.1 points per game in those instances. The next closest is the Cleveland Cavaliers at 13 per game. So that's by a mile. The Warriors are cutting more than any other team in the league. You would think a team like Oklahoma City, Houston, like these young teams that just need to be scrappy and you know fight for jobs and try their hardest to win games because they don't have the talent. Those are the teams you would expect to be doing this stuff. But that's not the case. I think a lot of credit goes to Steve Kerr because... For years, right, for the last two years, and maybe even a portion of the fan base before that saying, hey, the Warriors need to run more high high pick and roll, more spread offense pick and roll. Just let Steph get into uh, get into it with James Wiseman or, or Draymond Green. Just run that over and over and over again. And Steve Kerr, every single time, has been like, no, we're not going to do that. That's not what this team is. That's not the highest version of this team. And it was so hard to keep that long view. And when Steve Kerr is saying things like, I'm not chasing wins at the beginning of last season and gets ridiculed for it, this is what he was talking about, was implementing this system, was maintaining this ethos, maintaining this culture, this structure to the offense. Because you let it go and you just say, you know what, we kind of stink this year, but to make to be a little bit less stinky, maybe we just run a bunch of pick and roll with Steph. He could have done that. Hey, maybe they make the playoffs last year because he does it in the beginning of the season before they are able to discover all that other stuff. But they don't. I don't think they finish the year that the way they do if he did do that. I don't think they're playing the way they are now if Steve Kerr had just done that. Because you don't just flip this switch on, okay? Especially when all these guys who are doing it, like, look, Otto Porter and Amano Bielitsa are better than I think anybody anticipated them being early in the season. But you're not getting this. You're not getting Damian Lee knowing where to be. You're not getting Jordan Poole, Juan Descano Anderson, no, Andrew Wiggins, knowing where to be, knowing how to cut and play with and off of Steph Curry and Draymond Green, you don't get that by just flipping a switch and be like, hey, we, run, we ran high pick and roll, but now we got some veterans. We got Iguodala back, all this stuff. Let's go all in. And Klay Thompson's coming back. Everybody's healthy. Like, let's just, let's just do what we were doing before. It doesn't work that way. It's really hard. And that's why you don't see young teams like Houston and Oklahoma City running this way, cutting this way consistently and constantly. It's hard to do this stuff. It's really hard to do this stuff. Steph Curry obviously makes it easier, like I was talking about in the first segment, but it's hard. So, look, all of that, you got all the cutting. They're third in the league in three-point attempts per game. They're fourth in efficiency. You add all that up, and you have an NBA best uh, in shooting percentage, right? And that matters. Plus, you combine that with the best offensive rating in the league. This is a real contending team. This is a real contending team, okay? Now, I will say this. Their schedule has been pancake soft, okay? 
I, and I know I, Warriors fans are sick of hearing it. You've had an easy schedule if you're the Warriors. 10 of your first 17 games were at home. And you were playing well, like stinky teams for the per- first portion of the schedule. A bunch of teams that can't score the ball against the Warriors defense or against the Thunder defense. Like you just, I keep ragging on the Thunder, whatever, Oklahoma City, don't care. Nobody's listening to this anyway from there. These teams that you're playing are no good for the most part. Uh, it was a tough beginning of the schedule. You got Lakers at full strength, but turns out the Lakers aren't really good and they got a bunch of stuff that they have to work through. I think that's been pretty evident. Schedules have been super easy, okay? Now, that's not taking away the fact that I think the Warriors are legit contenders. I am just interested to see what happens when the schedule gets tougher. What happens when the long road trips start popping up? What happens when you can't rehab those nagging injuries at home and instead you're on the road on planes every other day? Like, what happens? That's what I'm interested to see. I'm just asking a question. I'm not making any assumptions. I'm just simply asking the question here. Now, the Warriors still have the best defensive rating in the league. And you, the Dunks and Threes, which is an analytics website, do, does a really good job. They have this analytic that basically takes into consideration the ease of, well, your strength of schedule, the easiness of the, or the difficulty of your schedule. Um, and when they, when they build in that part, the, strength, the, the, the fact that the Warriors have had an easy schedule, they're docking about two points in defensive rating off the Warriors. That would still be the, be, the best defensive rating in the NBA. I think at the end of the day, Golden State, ends up with a top five defense in defensive rating. I still love Utah's defense. I still think injuries are going to happen to Golden State, and it's going to hurt. I know that's dealing with an Iguodala thing right now. Um, I think when you start to work in a guy like James Wiseman a little bit more, even Jonathan Kaminga playing more and more real minutes, like that's going to come in a sacrifice on defense here and there, a possession here and there. Um, I still think this is a really good defensive team. And in the postseason, when it really matters... I think they can get back to an elite. I think they can, I shouldn't say get back to, uh, maintain an elite level. Maintain an elite level. Um, I, the other thing, too, is that opponents are getting a bunch of threes. They're, the Warriors are allowing the seventh most three-point attempts per game, but opponents are missing a bunch of them. And so eventually that's going to happen, too. When a fewer of these games are at home and more of these games are on the road and teams start shooting better at home than they do on the road because that's what happens, I think you're going to see a little bit of a regression here defensively. So when you look at the markers, I think Golden State, the way they play, they play really hard. They have good one-on-one defenders. They play good deep defense. Steve Kerr has done a bunch of interesting stuff, the triangle and two, all this stuff. He's done some interesting things here. Uh, I just don't think that this is the best defense in the league. That's all I'm saying. I don't think it's the best defensive in the league. I think there's going to be a come-down-to-earth moment at some point, but I still think it could be one of the best five or six or seven defenses in the league. I still think it can be but I don't think that they're this good right now. Um, the other question I have is in the postseason, as much as, as good as this team plays with all the cutting, with all the three-point shooting, all this stuff, with all the energy, uh, I still have a fundamental question of who's the dude in the playoffs when you need a bucket? Because that's the reason they went out. They played like this in 2015-16, and a lot of people have made that comparison. But the reason you go out and get Kevin Durant in the summer of 2016 is because you didn't have that guy. Who's that guy now? Now, I would argue that it's Steph. I would argue that Steph right now, as an isolation player over the last couple of years, better than he ever was before Kevin Durant and during Kevin Durant. I think Steph could be that dude for you. I think Steph could be that dude for you. 
I'm not making any assumptions. I'm simply asking the question. Who's that guy in the postseason? Who's that guy when Paul George is defending you from the first quarter to the fourth quarter or somebody like that? Who's that dude? And can other players step up the way they have in the regular season on that playoff stage? Because that's one thing about these guys, as good as Jordan Poole has been, we still haven't seen him in a postseason. You know what I mean? Andrew Wiggins. Like, what do these guys look like under those bright lights? I'm not making any assumptions. I'm simply asking the question. I still think that the Warriors are legit title contenders here, especially with everything that's happening with the LA teams. The Clippers look really good, but they still are missing Kawhi, and I just don't think they got it if Kawhi doesn't come back. I think Denver is still really good. I think Utah is still really good. I think the Lakers will eventually figure it out, I think. I think. Uh, but the Warriors, man, they're right there. And Clay Thompson's coming back. We're going to talk about that next. But first, let's talk about Built Bar. I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and treats and plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar. Go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of the raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low-calorie, low-carb, low-fat, high-protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If If Thanksgiving isn't your thing... Go for a Built Bar or two right now. Share some at your family gatherings. It's going to make things a lot less awkward. It's going to give you something uh, to talk to Aunt Betty about. Maybe she hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. Hand her one. Now you have a conversation starter. New surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly, so check out the site often. There's nothing like Built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar now. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Here's the offer. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off on your order. Again, use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, let's get to this Clay Thompson report from The Athletic that Clay Thompson is ramping up in scrimmages, ramping up behind the scenes, cleared for full contact practice, and could be making his return near Christmas. Now, Steve Kerr refuted, downplayed that report before last night's game, before yesterday's game against Toronto. Um, And I think that's fine. Uh, I still, you know, based on this report, and the Athletic is standing standing to it, right? They're they're standing by the accuracy of it. Um, Anthony Slater, uh, Sham Strania reporting it. Um, We'll see. We'll see. I, I never thought that Christmas was a possibility. I always thought that the Warriors were going to play it safe with Clay, and maybe we're looking at early 2022, but we'll see. You know, all the reports, everything that's... You're seeing Clay Thompson taking shots in practice, according to this report. You know, he's, able, he's going to be ramping up into scrimmages, one-on-one, three-and-three, eventually five-on-five. He's got it all scheduled out. I think the only thing you could do with an, with an injury like this is see how he responds to that. So maybe he responds great, and hey, he's out there Christmas Day. Maybe he's responding a little bit slower than you want, maybe that he would want, and they they hold it off until next year. We'll see. The only way to actually know is to see how he responds to those scrimmages, right? Um, but either way, Christmas, no Christmas, two weeks from now, five weeks from now, what's evident is that we're nearing the Clay Thompson return. And you take that in the context of everything we were just talking about, about how the Warriors are legit contenders. And I think you need to ask yourself, how can Clay Thompson help this team? Well, number one, this is what the fourth or fifth, fifth best three-point shooting team in the league. 
With Clay, I think they're the best three-point shooting team in the league. It's going to be right that they're going to be right there with Brooklyn, I think, as the best three-point shooting team in the league. Okay, that's helpful. Obviously, this is already a good three-point shooting team. It makes it even better. Uh, you move Jordan Poole to the bench when Clay Thompson comes back. He's going to reprise his uh, role as the starting shooting guard. Jordan Poole is going to go back to the bench. I think that helps Jordan Poole. I think there are still instances where you watch Jordan out there and you're like, yeah, you're still really young. I think he forces things a little bit still too much. I think what made him so good last year, what kind of started that first mini leap before the big leap that we're seeing this year uh, at the end of last season was he went to the G League, comes back, starts making faster decisions. You know, the whole 0.5 second thing, like, hey, just either move the ball, shoot the ball, score the ball, or, 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 you know, make a dribble move uh, within half a second. And I think that empowered him. It made the game easier for him. And it put him in this position now to, to branch out and kind of expand on his game because he's still doing that for the most part. But Steve Kerr has said, hey, you know, he's got to pick his spots a little bit better. He needs to know when to be aggressive, when to know to be patient and all this stuff. That just comes with time. That just comes with time. There are still instances where Jordan Poole is just doing the wrong thing. You're like, dude, why did you do that? Like, you got two guys in front of you. Why are you trying to drive it? Like, this is just not your moment. Why don't you just keep the ball moving? Like, there's still like a handful of instances every game where you see that from Jordan. Even in this last game where he put up 33 points, you're still a little bit like, ah, eh, maybe not the best move this time. But you bring him off the bench now, and you're not relying on him so much. I think Jordan Poole would maybe feel less pressure to go out there and hang 30, right, if Clay Thompson is back. I think this could be helpful to Jordan Poole's long-term development, and obviously helpful to a bench that has sometimes needed a little bit of a scoring boost. I think that's going to help out Steve Kerr and Mike Brown when they try to, you know, rejigger these rotations and make sure you always have a ball handler on the floor, whether it's Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, whoever it might be. Um, so obviously you get Clay back, it deepens your bench. That's obvious. Uh, the big question to me is, does this actually change things for the Warriors? Like, are they, should, like, does Vegas move the line? Let's put it that way. Does Vegas move the line when Clay Thompson comes back? And I don't think they're going to. I really don't think that it's going to change a whole lot for the Warriors right away. I don't think it changes the outlook for this team right away. I think we have to see what Klay Thompson looks like when he comes back. And this is no slight to Klay Thompson. This is more of me saying, like, I think the Warriors are already really good. And all of those questions that I talked about in the last segment about, hey, who's your ISO score? Can you maintain this defense? What to make of the soft schedule? What is it, how do they respond when the schedule gets hard? Klay Thompson doesn't address any of those things. I don't know what Klay looks like. To, I think he's going to hit threes right away. I have no doubt about that. I have my questions about what it'll look like defensively. Can he still move laterally that same way? Can he still put that much pressure? Can he still, you know, because when you're defending guys in the post, which Klay has been good at over his career, like you're putting a lot of weight on the, on the lower body. You're putting a lot on your knee. You're putting a lot on your ankles. You got to plant yourself. Can he plant the same way? Can he move laterally the same way defensively? I don't know. Again, just asking the question here. So to me, Clay doesn't address those those defensive, not even concerns, just like little little things that you're monitoring, little red flags, little little things that you're monitoring over the course of the next couple months. He doesn't address that to me. Uh, he's not. He's never been an isolation scorer. I think he does make them a better three point shooting team, which only helps your overall, you know, shot distribution. But again. Long term, they're probably obviously better with Klay Thompson being healthy. We'll see what he looks like. But I think the Warriors have been good enough so far that I don't think Vegas changes their line when Klay comes back. Like I don't think that what you're able to, if you were betting on the Warriors to win the title or make it out of the Western Conference, whatever, whichever one, if you bet on that now versus when Klay come, comes back, I don't know if the odds move that much. I really don't. 
And that has more to say with how good the Warriors have looked early in the season than anything against Klay Thompson. That's not, I'm not, I'm not dissing Klay in any way. Really excited to watch him come back. I just hope that the Warriors do the right thing and make sure that he is 100% ready to go and they're not rushing him back. Because I think everybody can agree on this. It's more important to have Clay back healthy for the long term than to see him on the court a week earlier than maybe, you know, otherwise. That's all you want to know. All right. Uh, quick programming update here. Um, so, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm, I hosted this show for two years. Uh, you guys have been awesome. I've loved hosting this show, and I love this opportunity to basically fill in, right? Like, this is what, essentially, I'm the substitute teacher here. I'm filling in for the rest of the month because... We were originally supposed to have the new hosts onboarded. I stopped uh, November 1st. We were supposed to have the new hosts onboarded a little bit quicker. Uh, just, you know, California laws, all this stuff. There's a bunch of red tape with Tegna, who owns the Lockdown Podcast Network. Like, there's just a lot of stuff that has kind of made the onboarding process go a little bit slower than anybody anticipated. You will have two new hosts taking over for Lockdown Warriors, two names who I think you are already familiar with. All right, these are going to be familiar people whose voices you've heard, whose names you are that you recognize, okay? Really excited for who's taking over, but again, that's not happening until December 1, I believe is the newest date. So the Warriors are really good, and you needed Warriors content, so I'm your fill-in host for the rest of this month. You know me. I hope you appreciate the insight that I bring. I know I appreciate being able to talk to you guys again. I definitely do. Um, so that's what I'm doing. Now, if you've been following me in the past, before you know picking up on maybe Locked on Warriors this season, you know that I've moved over to Locked on Heat. I've moved to Miami um, to be closer to family with my fiance, and I've taken over Locked on Heat. I still host Locked on NBA. I'm actually moving days. I used to do Tuesday morning show. Now I'm doing the Friday morning show with Adam Mares, who hosts the Denver Nuggets podcast for Locked on. So we're going to be taking over the Friday show um, starting this week. So you could find me on all my NBA thoughts Friday mornings on Locked on NBA with Adam, who does an awesome job, and I'm really excited for that. Um, and I'm working on another project here. Now, I can't reveal too many details here, um, but if you want to be the first to know about my new project that I think you're going to be very interested in, right? I'm doing all my Heat stuff over on Lockdown Heat. I've got the West Side, my Substack that I'm writing about sports on, a lot of Miami-related stuff because I'm, obviously I'm here. I'm branching out on the West Side. I think I'm going to cover more stuff. And on this new project, it's a new podcast project, I will be talking about the Warriors' national stuff in general. That's about as much as I could say right now. So if you're, if, you're, if you're interested in that new project, if you want to know more about it, simply take a second to send me your email. Just send it to me at wcgoldberg at gmail.com or throw it into my Twitter DMs. They're open. Um, and let me know that you want to be on the list. I'm really excited for this next thing, but I can't, I, like I said, can't provide too many details right now. But again, if you want to be the first to know, just shoot a message to wcgoldberg at gmail.com or on Twitter, wcgoldberg with your email address, and you're going to be added to my list and you'll have the first you'll be the first to know about this new project. That'll do it for today's Locked On Warriors. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Warriors on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis from Lee Sterling. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. 